Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Volunteering among older adults has been linked to improved quality of life, stronger social networks, and lower mortality rates. With a steady stream of refugees and immigrants coming to the U.S., volunteers are needed to help these individuals and families face their many unique challenges. Today, my guest is Reverend Christine Dunn, Director of Community Engagement at Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area. She's going to provide details about the unending arrival of immigrants and refugees looking to resettle in the U.S. and the services they need to relocate to a new home. She'll also discuss how older adults can volunteer with LSSNCA and help support our new neighbors and others in need. So welcome, Christine, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. I'm really excited to share with everybody about the about Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area and the good work that we do in this community and that extends beyond. All right. Well, let's take that a little bit further to the next step then. So talk about LSS, NCA, its mission, history, and everything you think that our listeners want to know about uh, your organization. Definitely. Thank you. Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area has been around for about 106 years, which is often surprising to many folks. Um, Lutheran Social Services all over the country are often founded in response to the needs in the community. And that's how it is here with LSS NCA. LSS NCA responds to, um, we are currently responding to the huge need of refugee resettlement and then also the needs of uh, youth, disadvantaged youth in this area and unaccompanied refugee minors. As many of you are likely aware, um, we are having a huge influx after the fall of Kabul of Afghans into this area. And LSS, at its core, um, seeks to respond to whatever need is in the area, and it wants to. Um, we want to help build thriving, sustainable, um, integrated communities. And so, all of our work um, moves towards that end to to help build brave communities where everyone has a chance at thriving in this area. And I just wanted to clarify. Are the LSS offices, the Lutheran Social Services, are their offices located in other parts of the United States? And if so, does the mission of each of those offices vary depending on the geographic area? Uh, Yes, Cheryl, thanks for that follow-up. There are uh, LSS offices located across the United States, and their missions um, like ours, respond to whatever the need is in that area. So for example, some LSS offices might have a greater um, elder care um, mission because there are more elderly folks living in their areas that are in need of support. It really um, just depends on the needs of the community, which is one of the ways that, one of the great things about Lutheran Social Services, um, because we really do seek to respond to need rather than just work out of our own um, you know, what we think the need is. And so if people are listening to this in other parts of the country, besides the Washington, D.C. area, they could look up Lutheran Social Services and find where the office is there. Is that correct? Yes, that's definitely that's definitely true. We have um, different types of offices all over the area, all over the country. Um, If somebody's specifically looking for a Lutheran Social Services Sometimes um, it'll say Lutheran Social Services, and then they'll have like a, a, another name associated with it um, because some still use the Lutheran Social Services um, uh, you know, tag, and then some have come up with their own name that re- still reflects their, um, their mission, but it is still associated with Lutheran Social Services. So they just have to do a little Googling. Okay. Well, so let's get back then to the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia geographic area. Are their offices then located in all three jurisdictions? 
Yes, we have offices located all across the area. We have offices in Fairfax, Virginia. We have offices in Woodbridge, Virginia. Additionally, we have offices in Maryland, um, in Greenbelt, Arbutus, and Frederick. Our resource center, which is located in Alexandria, Virginia, um, services our clients in a different capacity than those other offices. Additionally, in Fairfax, we have one other office that houses our transitional foster care program, um, which um, ties in a little bit with, you know, I I want to address that we have um, different types of programs throughout Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area. We are known for our refugee and immigrant um, services. However, we also have programs that um, help address foster care in terms of unaccompanied refugee minors, and we also have a longer-term foster care program. Additionally, we have adoption services, which um, the the adoption services do home visits and also the Break the Seal program. The Break the Seal program is something that folks can agree to um, on both sides to reconnect with biological parents. Um, We also have our care program. Care is counseling, access, um, resource, and education. And this program helps to support those who are seeking asylum. Many of our um, programs help with refugee and immigrant services, and they come with a different set of um, papers and and the, the ways that they can navigate the legal services, whereas asylum seekers come and they are seeking asylum. And so the CARE program addresses that in a different way. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of those needs in, in a moment, but I kind of just wanted to hear a little bit more about the refugees that are coming to the United States so that we have a sense of who these folks are and and how their needs might differ. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, I believe, that that some come from Afghanistan and quite a few. Are there other countries that they're arriving from? And and I was also thinking about the Ukraine. So give us an overview of what, what LSSNCA is seeing. Yeah, thank you. We we do have an influx of Ukrainians um, under the U for You program, it's called. And this this program um, functions a little bit differently. However, at the base, it is still like our um, refugee um, and immigrant services because we want to connect new Ukrainians in this area to their community and help to find sponsors who are able to um, you know, able to assist them and make sure that they are um, <clears throat> connected with school resources, with um, community resources, and all of those pieces that help to make your your life fuller. So we we predominantly are have been serving Afghans. However, we have an we have an influx of Ukrainians, and lately we've also had um, an inc- increase in Haitians, um, and. In addition to that, we serve many folks from Central America, from all of those um, countries in that triangle area. So help us kind of understand, you you have these people who are coming every day, it seems like, or on a regular basis, uh, as they arrive in to your organization, walk us through what the process is, because if if we're going to have volunteers who might help, it would be helpful for folks to understand how it starts. Uh, When these folks arrive, how are the needs determined as to what an individual or a family resettlement, what is it going to look like? How do you determine the needs? Who does that? and, And how does the process begin? The process can vary, but for a basic... The basic process is when um, a family, a client is referred to LSSNCA, that that process is um, taken care of outside of the agency. Once they are assigned to Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area, they'll be assigned a case manager. The case manager will uh, assess their their needs. um, And when they're arriving, our hope is that we know that they're arriving prior to their arrival. 
if we're able to do that, then um, our my community engagement team, I have a great team of folks who work with outside partners like congregations, um, bands of friends that have gotten together that want to say, we want to assist a refugee family. Um, if that's the case, if we have a congregation that's willing to do that, then we can pair them um, with the family that's arriving. And that congregation can go alongside the family and help set up the apartment, sort of be like a first friend. The case managers ultimately are responsible for making sure that all of the services that were required um, to help folks with um, are are completed. However, um, the, if we have other folks who can be more involved in the process, it just makes the welcome feel um, warmer. Um, so in addition to a case manager, each family is also assigned um, an employment coordinator that helps them um, you know, navigate the, the American job system, helping to find them um, jobs and um, preferably in their field. It really depends on what types of skill set folks come with. Um, for folks who come with really high skill sets, um, we're, we have a, a group of folks that work specifically with them and help to integrate them into their specific area. And then folks who are wanting to do recertification processes or go back to school, the employment coordinators um, assess the needs of each individual um, client as they as they come in to, to hook them into those programs. The goal is um, when folks arrive that within the first um, 30 days they are finding they're helping them find jobs or getting them settled. Our goal really is, even though it's really hard, our goal really is to really get them on their feet by 90 days. But the good thing about um, having congregations wrap around and the ethos of Lutheran social services is, um, you know, we recognize that at 90 days, it's still really hard. And so we wrap around them and make sure that they get on their feet for as long as it takes. And, and Christina, I wanted to just verify, I'm, I'm understanding that you say congregations and I'm assuming because the name of your organization is Lutheran social services, this could be or more likely would be Lutheran congregations or churches. Might other denominations also be recruited, again, whether it's Christian or Muslim or a synagogue, might they also have the opportunity to serve in this capacity to support a family? I'm so glad you asked that question, Cheryl. So while our name says Lutheran Social Services, and we do have plenty of Lutheran congregations that are involved in our work, and we're really thankful for them, we are not an exclusively Lutheran organization. We have a lot of partners from all different types of faiths, um, you know, within the Christian faith, for sure. But then also we have plenty of Muslims and Jews and synagogues and mosques that have come alongside and supported families. And so um, that sometimes there is a notion that we're um, a, a Christian organization. And certainly we, we appreciate and are thankful for all the ways that our um, Christian congregations have supported us, but also um, all places of worship. Um, I mean, there are so many that have supported uh, the work that we do. And so we are really thankful for all of those different expressions of faith. Okay. And we're going to a little bit later or along the way here, because people might be hearing this and want to know exactly how to contact you. So we can do that shortly. But I wanted to zero in a little bit more on, you mentioned some of the possible needs like employment mm -hmm. and, and uh, perhaps a school, education, this kind of thing. But Basically, do you find that there are physical and mental health conditions uh, that these individuals are dealing with? I would imagine some mental stress due to coming over here. Um, and as coupled with that, these folks are coming from another country. So I would assume that it's necessary for translators and interpreters to help to communicate. Um, uh, walk us through that process of how they are personally and clinically and health-wise, and how translators and interpreters help. 
you're right. When folks come here, they are, you know, no matter no matter if they're coming from Afghanistan or Ukraine or Central America, wherever they happen to arrive from, um, for all of them, they are coming to the United States because there's something going on for them in their home country. And those issues are always um, hard and traumatic and leave uh, leave an impact on them and their family. They are coming here to, with the hopes of being able to provide a better life um, you know, for their family in a, in a safer environment. And so for all of these folks, one of the things that's really important for, um, you know, us to remember when we're, you know, as staff, when we're working with folks or congregations or individuals, we have so many volunteers to remember that, um, we're, we're working with people who have faced, um, very big traumas in their life. And also um, some folks who are very medically fragile. Um, so let, let me just talk briefly about, you know, folks who come here who would be medically fragile. Um, we do have some special programs for um, for those folks, and um, it's called Preferred Communities. But at the end of the day, what it really does is it offers extended case management and extension of all the programs that we offer that way, those folks who are, you know, more medically fragile, it's they, they have more leeway and space to be able to, you know, get their feet on the ground. And we can assess, you know, are there ways that they can be employed? Like, what are the ways to do that? We also have... Um, for, for those who may have some physical disabilities, um, we've just uh, recently launched uh, a program that um, helps to pair folks with some types of physical disabilities with employers who are able to um, who are able to offer employment to, to those folks. Um, mental health is always um, is always a huge concern and um, a, definitely a huge need for us. That's one area that we're currently working on expanding within the organization, and um, if that's underway under our care program. Um, Folks who are seeking asylum and who um, fall underneath the care program, one of the things that they receive is um, licensed social work therapy um, through that program. And so um, that piece really helps when you're trying to navigate a system that's confusing. You have somebody who's there for you and you can connect with um, on a weekly basis. Um, and as you can imagine, there are lots of... Um, you know, there can be lots of language challenges. We have, um, we have folks who like on staff who are able to assist with translating. We also have, um, like a language line if we, if we need that. Um, but this is one area for translating and interpreting that we can always use volunteers. Um, that need that really helps to make somebody feel safe. If somebody can understand them and speak to them in their heart language, the language that's you know familiar to them, it helps them to know, oh, I'm really, I'm really getting this. I really am getting the right information. And and so, I mean, we certainly need um, translators that speak Dari, Pashto, Spanish, Ukrainian. Um, but if that's not the language you speak and you uh, want to volunteer, we likely would be able to find a spot, even if it's just every once in a while, um, because we we serve folks from you know a, approximately fifty countries around the world. Um, so if you speak a second language, it's a great place to volunteer. And, and Christine, this is probably a good point, just so people can maybe be looking up while uh, they're listening to you. What is the best way to uh, uh, find the uh, the LSSNCA website? What is that address? That re- website is going to be lssnca.org. Um, so lssnca.org. And you can go on there and there is a a tab that says, um, you know, ways that how to help. And you can go on there and there's a host of different ways that you can say, yes, I want to, um, you know, I want to volunteer or mentor or host a fundraiser or support legal needs, become a foster parent. There's all different ways that you can pick and figure out what's the best way for me to volunteer that suits the skills that you bring to the table. Okay. And one thing that occurred to me as I was listening to you also, um, you've already been talking a lot about 
refugees who are coming from Afghanistan and other countries. But I just wanted to zero in for a moment, maybe because it's so much in the news, and that's the the ones who are coming over in the uh, the southwest of the United States, coming from South American countries and all of the issues that we've heard about, and I don't want to cover that, but I was just wondering if, and I did hear you say about folks speaking Spanish, but I was wondering if those immigrants or refugees, and, and I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand the difference uh, between those two terms, but is LSSNCA also seeing those individuals? We do. Um, our programs are more specifically designed for um, for the person who falls underneath the refugee category. Um, and so I'll let me just pause there and I'll explain that piece a little bit. So a refugee is someone who has been forced to flee their home country. And if they have that status, they are able to apply for asylum in the United States. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy process, but because they are allowed into the country legally, they can apply for asylum. In terms of, um, and, and in terms of an asylum seeker, that is somebody who um, doesn't have the refugee status and they are seeking to also leave a situation that's not safe. However, because they don't have the refugee status, they're called an asylum seeker. And the asylum seeker is able to, prior to entering the country, um, say that they are seeking asylum in the United States and are then, with approval, they're able to reside within the United States as an asylum seeker. However, they have to go through some other processes like different types of legal pieces um, than the refugee. The refugee can come with um, like an SIV status, which is a special immigrant visa. And that is uh, that has been set up for Afghans and it allows them um, the ability to, to work and reside within the United States. And humanitarian parole is also another way that folks can arrive in the United States, um, but it is not a, a pathway to citizenship. They have to, they also still have to apply for um, asylum here in the United States. The whole process is complicated and underneath all of those different statuses, there's different you know, hoops that they have to jump through with the legal system. Um, and it's really important that they get support in that legal, in the legal portion of it so that, um, you know, th- they're able to remain here safely, legally work, build a thriving, build a thriving life. Um, and so one of the, the services that Lutheran so- Social Services of the National Capital Area offers are our legal services. Um, and those legal services um, help folks apply for work permits. They help them with their with all their paperwork. Um, there's all those different, and we have a team of uh, lawyers who help um, work through that because every case is going to be individual. You know, everybody has a different set of circumstances. Everybody has different work needs, um, different family makeup, et cetera. And so this is actually another great way to volunteer with Lutheran Social Services. We hold legal clinics and our, our lawyers and that team of folks run those workshops, whatever workshop it happens to be, whether it's a um, asylum workshop or whether it's a um, employment workshop, whatever the workshop happens to be, they run it. But because each case is unique, it's important that the um it's very helpful to have somebody sitting with each person, helping to make sure that their paperwork is filled out correctly. In order for their paperwork to move forward, it has to be filled out correctly. So you can imagine that these workshops basically have um, directors, um, uh, you know, lawyers who are directing all of the proceedings, and then somebody. Um, maybe uh, a lawyer who's doing pro bono service sitting alongside um, each client 
And sometimes, um, depending on the skill set that the volunteer brings, um, sometimes a translator also. So we also also always have translators in the legal clinic, but if somebody needs a specific translator, they may also be paired with them. So those legal clinics um, take a lot of um, effort and organization to get them moving along, but they're incredibly important to all those that we serve. Well, and that's a good time to stop right now because people can think about, well, let's see if I have legal skills, that might be a possibility. But we're going to take a short break right now. This is incredibly important as to how um, our listeners can volunteer with LSS. So in case you tuned in late, we are talking with Reverend Christine Dunn, who is the Director of Community Engagement at Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking about volunteering, especially in an organization that is dealing with refugees and immigrants and other services as well, LSSNCA. We're talking with Reverend Christine Dunn, who is the Director of Community Engagement at Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area. And so, Christine, we talked a lot in the first half about an overview of the organization. And just before the break, we talked about legal services. But Employment is really important. You mentioned it a little bit already, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that people need to know about and maybe how they could help as, as well. So how does, how does LSSNCA work both with your clients as well with uh, potential employers? Employment, as you can likely imagine, is going to be unique and specific to each family, each individual, um, because everybody comes with their own skill set. Um, as I mentioned, we have um, employment coordinators that work with those individuals to help match them with, um, with jobs that will help them thrive in this area. A couple things that I really do want to highlight in this, and it's also a great way that if you're listening and you want to volunteer and support um, um, those arriving in the United States, this is another great way to volunteer. So we have um, within our within our programming. We have folks who um, do some job coaching, um, some resume building, and then also, you know, practice interviewing skills. Um, the way that um, we in America interview for jobs differs than they do in other countries. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine that if you went somewhere where the whole system was new to you, um, it would be it would be helpful for you to step into that job um, interview with a little bit more knowledge base of what questions will they ask? How will this look? And so we really try to work with, um, you know, if they've, if they come with a university degree, okay, well, let's, let's talk about, is that a degree that can transfer over here? Are there um, recertification things that need to happen? Um, And, you know, then we once we determine that and also hear the needs of the client, um, we'll help them develop their resume, um, you know, go through some job coaching and then um, some some interview um, practice. And so that's something that so many volunteers can help with. Um, we always need, um, you know, folks to, you know, do those pretend interviews. And we have a whole process that we help guide you through in terms of, oh, well, how do I do that? Like as a volunteer, how would I help somebody learn how to do that? And an LSS from our programming side and our volunteer coordinator helps us um you know, will help you guide you through that process. Another way that um, folks who are listening might be able to um, assist LSS NCA clients um, in the employment area is maybe you work for somebody who is friendly to- towards refugees. 
and would be excited to, um, you know, diversify their workforce and have um, greater gifts brought into their into their job area. And so if you work for someone and you would like to, and you think they might be interested, um, I mean, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Um, the easiest way to probably do that um, would not be through our website. It would be through our engagement inbox, which would be engagement at lssnca.org. Um, and that engagement inbox is monitored and we could then do that reaching out. Um, and again, uh, if you're interested in uh, supporting the employment process of folks, um, you know, as I mentioned before, you can always go onto our website and just find volunteering. So our website's lssnca.org. Find the volunteering tab and um, just click on that and it'll guide you through the whole volunteering process. Christine, I wanted to turn to another area that might uh, be an important need for refugees, and that's education support. I'm thinking both in terms of young families who want to enroll their children in local schools, and also thinking about uh, adults who come here with a certain set of skills that were applicable in the country that they lived in, but now might not be uh, usable or they can't apply them in the United States and need to go back to school for additional uh, education or some new skill. How does LSSNCA help provide support uh, in the education realm? To start with the, the children, um, which is, you know, for so many of us who are parents, that's the, the primary concern is, you know, helping their children feel safe, getting them enrolled in school, understanding that school, how, how the schools here in America work. Um, so we have... Um, Within our programming, within our staff, we have school liaisons who work directly with uh, the schools in the area, um, you know, wherever they're situated. So we have um, school liaisons who who work with uh, schools in Woodbridge or in Fairfax or wherever their apartment complexes or homes are located for our clients. Uh, we have school liaisons that work with those schools. And the school liaisons help to, to bridge that gap, to help answer questions, to be a resource both for the family, but then also for the school system. And um, those school liaisons do like, you know, a, a variety of different types of uh, other types of supports for for our families. Um, you know, they'll host um, senior events and back to school events, backpacks, those types of things that um, you know help soften the the transition to American schools. Um, additionally, um, this um, is an area where many of our congregations, our houses of worship, that wrap around um, do some wraparound services as they come alongside uh, our the families that we're serving. Many congregations, that's one of the things that they say, you know, we can help provide education support and, you know, they'll help with the re-enrollment because they might have somebody on their team of folks who was an educator or is an educator and knows knows that school system really well. And so that's that's a great way that um, folks can assist families because they they know the school system in another way. They also um, volunteer. We also have volunteers who, uh, from an education standpoint, provide tutoring and mentoring and those types of things, both for children and for adults. Um, When we talk about adult education, uh, you're right. The recertification process or finding a job in the area that you worked in, um, in your home country is a challenge sometimes here in America. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, we recently opened up our brand new resource center in Alexandria, Virginia. And that resource center um, has some great like material, good resources to support our families. However, on the top level of it, um, it's devoted to um, enhancing and improving uh, the education experiences for our for those that we serve. And so we offer up there um, some classes, English as a second language classes, um, computer literacy classes, those types of classes that will help make um, help make folks more successful in this new environment. Um, And we hope that those classes that are uh, 
being held at the Resource Center only expand and to, to touch on other areas. We're still working on that piece, but it's a great step forward in terms of providing additional support for, um, for our families. Okay. And another area, and then I want to, before too long, get into how you can volunteer, but needless to say, folks who come over here need housing. So mm-hmm. talk about housing needs and how uh, LSSNCA addresses those needs. Housing is one of our primary needs. Um, as you know, we all want to live in a safe uh a safe house to be able to build a home. And so that's, you know, that's a, a core need for all of our families. One of the, the biggest challenges we have, um, especially here in the Metro DC area is housing is expensive. And so we often have to balance that. Um, we want to make sure that our families are able to live in safe, warm houses or apartments and that, they're able to become self-sufficient. And so we have to balance that, you know, how, how much is the rent and where is the house located in terms of schools, those types of things. And another challenge, and this, um, this is again, uh, a possibility for, for folks, um, both as individuals and as groups, um, is we want to work with housing complexes that are, refugee friendly and um, can can meet the need, the specific needs that our our families come with. And so you know they're coming here, they don't have credit. They don't have social security numbers and all those things. That's all in process for them. And so some of the traditional things that a, a leasing office might require, our families might not have. And so it's really crucial that we build relationships with housing complexes that are willing to work with our families. And, you know, Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area help to, to bridge that and uh, support that relationship uh, in terms of rent assistance and funding. And also, you know, our our congregational or group partners, they also help assist in that area sometimes. We have a, a great program. Um, it's called the Good Neighbors Partner Program. And then there are a couple different levels below that, a champion one and a champion two. But what these programs are designed to do is support this housing issue and the, the wraparound services. So if I could just briefly explain that to you and your and your listeners, um, the Good Neighbors Partner Program is um, typically a congregation that says, we, we want to go all out we want to really support a family that's arrived here in this area. And what they commit to doing is um, assisting with this housing thing in terms of furnishing the apartment. We find the apartment, um, but then the congregation says, we're going to furnish it with, um, you know, the hygiene items. We're going to get furniture. We're going to get all the stuff to make a kitchen. Um, sometimes they do like really beautiful things like, you know, they'll get specific toys if there are children, those types of things. But so they make the the house uh, feel like a home. So when folks come in, it's, it's already ready for them. And also they, um, um, they also agree to help with rent. Um, and that's usually for up to like a six month period, sometimes um, up to a year. It really depends. We want folks to be self-sufficient as soon as possible. Um, but that congregation commits to assisting with rent in some capacity um, until that family's really on their feet and self-sufficient. And they also do some wraparound services, like we were talking about the school system, um, you know, mentoring and tutoring. That congregation just wraps around them. And that's called the Good Neighbors Partners Program. And so if you're listening and you attend a house of worship and you would be interested in that, um, I would love to share more with you about that. You could uh, reach out through the engagement email again. And so that's engagement at lssnca.org. Um, additionally, um, there's a couple step downs um, to that program, the Champion 1 and the Champion 2. Champion 1 is, uh, they're very similar. Um, they do the, the housing setup and the wraparound services. They just don't as, um, assist with rent. Um, and then the Champion 2 is for a group that says, you know, 
we we want to help out. Um, and right now we can commit to setting up a house. And so they do all the furniture and all of those types of things, but they don't um, they don't assist with rent and they're they're not yet doing wraparound services. We often find that um, groups um, really get involved and are, you know, it, they really feel like they're making a difference. And so then they do want to, you know, expand and, and help out with wraparound services or whatever. But um, this is one of the primary ways that people can, houses of worship can be involved to meet that really um, challenging piece of housing. Okay. And I, I want, there was one other program that I just wanted to ask you about again, before we get into volunteering. And that was the CARE program, I think, which stands for Counseling Access Referral Education Program. Can you tell us again what that program is so that we're aware, listeners are aware? Yes, definitely. Um, This program is so important because um, asylum seekers are you know, there are folks who cannot return to their home country because of fear of, persecu- uh, fear of persecution. Um, and they're not necessarily eligible for the same benefits as, as refugees. And so the, the programming that we are able to uh, provide them is um, the CARE program. And the CARE program provides mental health evaluation and trauma screening. Um, they they provide trauma-informed um, individual and family therapy. And they also uh, do know your rights education sessions. These are really important because these folks need to, they're starting at the beginning of the, the legal system. And so they need to be able to um, navigate it well. And so the Know Your Rights education helps to meet that need. And um, the, uh, the also there's the access and support of like navigating community resources. Like what are the, the programs that are out there in the community that asylum seekers can access that will help to um, improve their um, improve their um, experience uh, to, to help them be able to access services that um, LSS and CA is um, not funded to do for them. Okay. Well, let's, let's turn to the volunteer services. And I'm sure that by this time, listeners are eager yeah. to hear more about what they need to know. I, I guess, and I just have you kind of walk through what the process would be, time commitments or requirements and that. But I think an important question also is, do individuals need to be Lutheran to volunteer or, or not? Certainly. All an individual needs to be or have to help out at Lutheran Social Services is a big heart. That is it. You do not have to have any type of faith background. Um, If you do, that's great. But if you don't, that's also perfectly fine. We want folks from all walks of life um, to to be involved in our mission because um, the more people that know about the good work we're doing, um, the more lives we're able to touch and the more folks who are able to advocate for those who are new Americans and and are just seeking to build um, a, a better life here. In terms of like ways to volunteer. There's such a host of ways that you can volunteer. And um, the first thing, you know, so let me just back back up a second. If you were to um, consider volunteering, you would go on our website and you could click on, you know, how to help. And like I mentioned, there's a whole host of ways that you can it lists there that you can volunteer. You can be a mentor or host a fundraiser, you know, help resettle a family, become a foster parent, um, support legal needs, all different types of ways. But for everybody that wants to volunteer, um, once you click on that and you say, hey, I'm interested in being a volunteer, the, the process is very similar um, to start off with because we'll, we'll do a background check on, on you. It's really important that all, you know, as I mentioned, all those that we're serving have come from difficult, traumatic situations. And so it's important that, and critical, that all of those who are volunteering with us um, pass a background check. And so that's the first step. And then you'll have the opportunity to say, these are all the areas that I'm interested in, or these are the skills that I bring to the table. And so you may be somebody, like we talked about earlier, who has um, 
uh, knows another language and you would have be able to click that. Um, you may be somebody who, you know, is a law student and you would be able to share that information. And then, so in, outside of sharing what your skill sets are, you also able to say, and these are the ways that I'm considering volunteering. You can pick one, you can pick a couple, um, and you, you volunteer, um, it, you know, as a, as a tutor or a mentor um, and, or maybe employment. So you could click a couple of those um, options. And then our volunteer coordinator would reach out to you to hear a little bit more about your interest and to make sure that you're well-trained. Um, we, we host a training that talks about LSS and CA, um, you know, as an agency from a holistic perspective and, and then we also teach you how to use our volunteer hub. Volunteer hub is how we track hours and how we um, make sure that, you know, we know who our volunteers are if we need to call on somebody. Um, and so we make sure that you know what LSS is about and we make sure that you know how to access volunteer hub and answer any of those questions. Once you get through that process and we know where your interest level is, we pair you with a program. And so, um, you know, you may be interested in the mentor program. So we're going to ask our case managers, um, you know, what if your family needs a mentor? Who's, who's looking to be paired with a mentor? And then we do that pairing process. And that piece is much more specific. And once you're paired with the program that you're going to volunteer with, um, they'll do um, an additional little training to make sure you understand the nuances of whatever specific program uh, you may be paired with. If you're, if you're doing mentoring or tutoring or um or if you're going to, if you have a whole congregation and you're going to be part of our Good Neighbors Partners Program, then we do a training for that. So all the folks on your team and your congregation knows what's expected and we can answer any questions. And, and I was wondering, Christine, is there a time commitment required with volunteer activities? There is. I mean, and that is really specific to, you know, what program or what skill you're offering. Um, so for example, if you wanted to be a driver, we're always in need of drivers. And that can be, uh, you can set the schedule on that. Um, you know, I'm able to drive um, once a month. I'm able to drive weekly. And so that one is more variable. If you're a mentor or a tutor, we really do ask for a six-month commitment because building that relationship takes some time. And that family, um, you know, becomes attached to the to the mentor or the tutor. And so we ask for an extended commitment. With the Good Neighbors Partner Program, that program um, varies, but that program can be up to a year of commitment. So we do ask folks um, when they're considering how they want to be, uh, volunteer, what their, um, what their time, what they have as time that they're able to, to give to us because we know that time is so important and we really are so appreciative of all those who are able to donate their time to us. Um, and I guess the last one I should mention, um, because I talked a little bit about it earlier, is legal services. Um, you know, that can be, uh, I can only help out at one workshop, but that can also be, I'm going to help out as you know, on an ongoing basis, that's another one that the volunteer can sort of set their schedule in terms of what time they have available. And you mentioned about uh, volunteer drivers. I heard you say that. Is there particular activities? And and just want to make sure that both the person who is the passenger as well as the driver and uh, is protected. Uh, how does that work? Just to make sure that um, if people who decided they wanted to be drivers, they'd know what to expect if they volunteered for that activity. Yep. There are two different ways that um, sort of categories that you can volunteer as a driver. One can be um, helping to um, move supplies. Um, so sometimes um, we need to get items to a family. I um, mean, it's just items that are being moved um, or um, furniture. Um, and so like that driver, um, you know, may want to bring a buddy um, because they may be moving furniture. Um, so that type of driver is, you know, is, is not interfacing with clients directly. Whereas there are other drivers that can do 
um, like medical appointments or um, things like that, that um, would be driving a client to a prenatal appointment or driving a client to a school registration um, appointment. Um, and you could, as a driver, you could specify what type of driving activity you're willing to do. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. And so I wanted to ask the last question, the, the best way one more time to learn about volunteering uh, with LSS NCA and, and other LSS programs throughout the country. What do we need to know? The best way to volunteer with us is to go to our website, lssnca.org, or reach out through the engagement email, engagement at lssnca.org, and somebody will respond to you there. Um, In terms of volunteering across the country, because I do encourage you, if you don't live in the Metro DC area, to to find a space to volunteer if um, if that's something that's on your heart. And so I would encourage you to just Google Lutheran Social Services and see what comes, and I would put in your area and see what comes up for you. Um, And hopefully uh, we have Lutheran Social Services offices um, all across the country. And hopefully there is one near to you where you're able to uh, share your time and your resources. Okay. Well, I want to thank Reverend Christine Dunn, Director of Community Engagement with Lutheran Social Services National Capital Area for joining me today. Thank you, Christine, for this really helpful and timely information. Thank you so much, Cheryl. So if you want to learn more about Aging Matters, of course, you can always visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And of course, there you can access all of the Aging Matters radio and TV show episodes that we have done over over the past six and a half years. So, and of course, in addition, now all of our radio programs are on podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And uh, so you just go to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you will find the icon for each of these podcasts as well. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And to learn more about that company, log on to Ink Mouth Media. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters again today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. 